Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Every Horror Movie on Netflix, the podcast where we watch, review, and discuss every horror movie on Netflix. I'm Patrick, and I'm back, as usual, with Chris. Hello. And Steven. Hi. And it's good to be here with you all today to discuss Hollow Man, my pick for this week. But, as usual, before we get into that... It's time for horror catch-up. What have you all been watching, reading, experiencing, etc. in the horror sphere lately? I watched some real-life horror. Um, uh, oh. I watched uh, some some. I watched the beginning of the, I think, the newer season of 90 Day Fiance, <laughs> which is always a horrific experience. And I found out there's not one but two people on 90 Day Fiance from Michigan in this season. I mean, uh, Chris, I mean, not to take the off cast onto on cast, but before we started today, you were like, Patrick and Steven, I don't know how you have the time to watch all this horror shit, but you're over here watching 90 Day Fiance. So, I mean, I think that's the answer is watch well, less 90 well, Day Fiance and more horror. Well, there's reasons for that. that I'm not going to get into But then there's also reasons why, like, you can put on 90 Day Fiance and not watch it and do other things. While you know you can't watch a horror movie, uh, although some of us, so this is how some of us watch our Amon movies. But, but I was going to oh, say, yeah, I, say I, I got a lot I, done during Hollow Man. I was going to say I should not tell you how I watched Hollow Man. Yeah, you shouldn't. <laughs> or how no, many, I, or how many times I rewatched Hollow Man to miss all the things that I oh to, to, to to catch all the things that I missed while not watching Hollow Man the first yeah. time. See, that's disgusting sure. to me. I, you watch a movie, you watch it. This explains it. This answers my question. How do you get the time? This is how you get the time. You're only half <laughs> watching this shit. So that explains everything. You just put stuff on because you because with the TV off, you have to be you have to face your own loneliness and the void and you can't do it. Mm-hmm. Well, Stephen, what have you half watched this week? Uh, yeah, actually. OK, there is one of these that I did not half watch. Uh, we'll save that for last. I've been on a tear, guys. Uh, the weather has been just up and down. You know, I'm an introvert. I'm a nerd. That's why I'm on this show. And I packed in a lot of time to watch some interesting stuff. So first of all, I finally watched the Stephen King adaptation from the, I believe, late 90s, The Night Flyer. Yes. Um, well, let, let's just say this this created a, a discussion in our in our group chat. Where yeah, it, the, was, the, it was pitched to me as an invisible vampire that pisses oh, it's blood. That movie. You see the it's in, it's, in, <laughs> it's in a bathroom. Our main actor, whose name is I'm blanking on, even though he's like famous. You guys George love him. C. I love Scott. him. Not George C. Scott, I wish. Uh, different movie. Liam Neeson. He's, Other he's, famous he's, actors that me and Chris love. Ed Harris. He's, he's in the bathroom of like a, a, like a seemingly empty uh, air, airplane terminal and, or airport, they call them sometimes. And he just sees in the mirror piss, red piss, forming in the urinal. And he realizes it's... It's the vampire, and he can only see the piss because you can't see a vampire in a mirror. And it's one of the most perplexing, hilarious, and frankly creative decisions I've oh, ever seen in a movie. Miguel Ferrer. Miguel Ferrer. Oh, there we go. Thank you. R.I.P. And he, oh my God, he gives it his all in every second of this movie. He is always doing weird shit when he's in the background, you know, making interesting character choices when other people are talking. Um, 
Love it. So that's my my rambling weird pitch for the Night Flyer. Uh, it's a good time. It's a movie that, like The Mangler, I think, another Stephen King adaptation, sort of, that I think I'm going to revisit every couple of years because it's got this, like, underdog, shitty charm to it. But I can tell at least Miguel Ferrer cared about what he was putting out there. I feel like we got to briefly touch on the teaser for the new Cronenberg movie, Crimes of the Future. Mm, mm, uh, and mm, we saw about mm. a minute and a half of footage. He has fully returned to horror. I mean, he hasn't made a movie in general in almost exactly 10 years. And that was certainly wow. not horror. Um, and yeah, I don't know, Patrick, I know you watched the trailer. It looks, looks pretty wild. There's a lot of kind of extreme body modification going on in it. It looked like a banger. I mean, it's like literally one minute of footage. I'll reserve my judgment on it until I see the actual movie as I do with any movie. I feel slightly suspicious though. It's like if Steven Spielberg came out with a family friendly sci-fi film right now, because I just feel like Steven, uh, Steven Spielberg has moved into a period of his life where he's not really doing that shit anymore. You know, he's making sober period dramas, which is also weirdly kind of what Cronenberg has done a lot of for a while. But that one minute of footage did look really fucking good. You know, listen, Cronenberg, he, he, his early work, he, he obviously a man who's got issues with his body. He's been working through for a long time and they went away or someone's body. And he decided he was going to make some mob movies with Vigo and (laughs) then COVID happened and he, he, he gained the COVID 15 and now he's having body issues again. He's got to work through it again. This is Cronenberg's entire filmography is about his body dysmorphia is what you're saying. Yes. His specifically. There's, yeah, that's all there is to it. Yeah. I'd love to do a whole uh, kind of reanalysis of all of his films through that lens. Uh, okay. Last thing, guys, have either of you fucked around with the Apple TV plus show severance with Adam Scott? <laughs> you don't no. want to hear my story about that. I watched the first episode and I fell asleep for the last half of it, which is not to say it's bad. It was it was a Sunday morning. I was dragging ass. It was just it's very chilly and slow paced. And it was I was not in the right mood to meet it where it was. I hear it's great, though. It's fucking fantastic. I watched the whole season over the weekend, just like three episodes at a time, because once it gets rolling, I couldn't get enough. And it's got mm. kind of everything. Like it's very Brazil. It's got mm. a lot of like Alex Garland sci-fi energy in it. Mm. There's a bit, a little bit of kind of a Twin Peaks Lodge 49 vibe to it. Oh, God damn it's it. very funny at times, but it's also very sad at times. It is in it, it takes. OK, the base, central premise, if you've not heard, is that there's a company called Lumen that has this experimental new procedure that allows you to uh, literally sever your work self from your real life self in the show over the course of nine episodes. And there's going to be more because it does end on a reveal that necessitates more information to come. It does not leave a single stone unturned as far as that concept goes over nine episodes. Like it just gets into so much of the minutia of like the practicality and the ethics of, of doing this in that, but that's not the focus. The focus is really on these people trying to figure out who they really are. Once they realize that there's something wrong, they can't leave this office. They only, they, they, 
they wake up there every day. If they, when they walk out the door, they come back in and they want to know like, what is, what is our job? Even they're given these like very creepy menial tasks of literally sorting through numbers. And sometimes the numbers get in quotes, scary, which means they might be like on to finishing their task, but it's so stressful (laughs) that they have to get up and walk away. And uh, there's a lot of horror in it, which is why I'm bringing it up. It's not a horror show, but in every episode, there's at least an image or a moment that sent chills all the way down my spine. And uh, the secret sauce on top of all of it is a very unlikely romance between characters played by John Turturro and Christopher Walken. And it's one of the most... What? That's a spoiler. I didn't know Christopher Walken was in it. I mean, his name is in the credits at the beginning of the episode, the first episode the first even. One? Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, even though I don't think he shows up Maybe until I the second or third. That too. It's not a spoiler. It's just a way that two characters meet, and then that opens up the world quite a bit. And it's so charming and lovely to see those two greats like playing gay men who have this like kind of not even kind of open uh, a workplace relationship. Steven, I was fully ready i had heard great things about this show but i was fully ready to just consign it to that great dump heap of like must see critically acclaimed tv that everybody is talking about and then the world moves on to another thing six weeks later but your combination of the description of brazil alex garland and twin peaks i gotta go back speaking of uh must see tv i'll make my awkward uh, comedy segue that I've been um, finally making my way through Euphoria, and that's filled with horror. <laughs> but uh, it's I, horrific. <laughs> it is pretty horrific so far. I've been enjoying the first season at least. I'm very curious to see what I get into with the second. Been on the uh, been on the Silent Hill train for the last two weeks. Chris oh, right. will hopefully be happy to hear that I finally have given into his peer pressure and been playing my way through the. The clunky mechanics, but generally very cool atmosphere and intriguing plot of the original Silent Hill Two. Um, I don't feel like I'm, you. I don't feel that, like you gave into my peer pressure. I feel like I recommended the game, and you said no, and you played it, and you said I hate this, and then I feel like it slays podcast to decide to review the movie. So you decided to watch the movie, you're right. and then you said, "Oh, you know what? I want to be. I want those guys to like me, so I'm going to play the game." You know what? You're damn right. I was trying to be kind to you. No, but, it's condescending. Uh, it's condescending. You exposed me. You exposed so, me. So yeah, yeah. You can do no, yeah, it with slays, your real friends. It slays podcast. My real friends over at It Slays Podcast reviewed the Silent Hill film from 2006, I want to say. I watched that, which was exactly fine. But it did intrigue me enough to make me go, uh, I want to go back and see how some of these iconic monsters present themselves in the game and why this captured so many people's imaginations in the first place. So been enjoying the game. It's still a little frustrating. It's still a little slow. I'm moving through it slowly, but I'm committed. I'm going to get to the end. And then I'm finally going to give Chris back his PS2 that he loaned me. Yeah, along it, with his friendship <laughs> so that I can move on to my new friends at It Slays Podcast. I, I can't wait for that part. But the iconic monster <laughs> thing, it's kind of like Alien, though, where it's like Pyramid Head is so ubiquitous and like like part of the subtlety and the like what's going on, what is this thing sort of stuff in the Silent Hill game, I feel like added a lot of, of spookiness to Pyramid Head. And, you know, after you see like your fifth sexy bobblehead nurse at a convention it probably doesn't 
hit the same when you see a bobblehead nurse in the game. So I don't so, know. So, I mean, what are you saying? So, like, basically you had to be there for the original Silent Hill 2 to, to understand oh. the true... No, 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 no. I'm just saying, like, my experience with Alien is, I, I like, I watched Alien after I'd been overexposed to the Xenomorph, and mm-hmm. I don't think it was nearly as scary as it would have been otherwise, because, um, mm-hmm. you know... Wait, did the Xenomorph expose itself to you? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> no. <laughs> um, Where on the doll did the Xenomorph touch you, Chris? So, I, I'm just saying that and it's, not, it, it's, it's, it's anything. It's <laughs> a, any sort of horror thing. I feel like once it once it moves from the from the source material into pop culture and you're exposed to it that way, it's kind of hard to understand why it became popular, I think. Maybe. Huh. I mean, I don't I disagree with that, actually. I mean, I've been playing my way through the game and obviously I had I had seen Pyramid Head, for example, before, and then I also saw a different interpretation of him in the movie. But I mean, when I saw him in the game, I was like, yeah, that's fucking spooky. It's surreal. It's creepy. I get and I mean, I get how seeing it for the first time in that specific game in grainy, shitty, like graphics (laughs) of the era would have been like, what the fuck is that? And who yeah. came up with that shit? I, I I guess I see how it could be more just, intense. Just let me gatekeep. Just let me gatekeep. Yeah, yeah. All right. I'll <laughs> leave you to your gatekeeping. I've been waiting to call you the ultimate gatekeeper this whole time that he's been talking about this. Yes. Speaking of... If you've seen me smirking over no, here, listen, that's I, what I, 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 I I opened the gate and Patrick said, fuck you. So now the gate's closed. <laughs> <laughs> Well, speaking of people trying to gatekeep access to their inventions, let's talk about Hollow Man. Well done. Hollow Man from Paul Verhoeven, one of my and Chris's favorite directors. I don't know, Stephen. I feel like I was just about to say, I feel like I can lump you in this crew too. I mean, you don't share our obsessive passion for like Basic Instinct, but you're a Verhoeven fan, right? I've seen Basic Instinct at least five times. Like, I don't love it as much as you guys do, but I love it. Yeah. 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 He's a master. Paul Verhoeven's one of, one of, um, like, Dutch master. Three directors. That I aspire to own all of their works on Blu-ray. Mm. Ooh, who are the other two? James Cameron and John Carpenter. Mm. Okay. okay. Um, and 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 he he like like James Cameron is easy because he doesn't have that many films. Although some of them are Dutch and not available on Blu-ray, um, such as um, oh man, the, the title's on the tip of my tongue. But there's a a Dutch film that he made that is sort of a predecessor to Basic Instinct. Are you talking about the fourth man? I think that's it. Yes, yes, yes. It's like I've been trying to find that fucking movie since I was in high school, and it's impossible. I'm, yeah. I mean, I'm sure it's on like YouTube and VHS quality now, but like some yeah. have, some have even gone as far to say that Basic Instinct is like a remake of the Fourth Man. So I'm very hmm. curious huh. to see it because Basic Instinct is one of my favorites. But I don't know. We could talk about him all day, but yeah, the movie is Hollow Man from 2000, which um, I think this was this was at kind of the end of his great American run. Where he, he well, did. this was his last Hollywood film. Was it his last? Mm-hmm. Oh wow, Ooh. I didn't know that. Um, and he's apparently very disappointed with this movie, mm. uh, huh. which well, I gave wasn't. me a little bit of pleasure to read. <laughs> if you don't know who Paul Verhoeven is, he he also did RoboCop. He did Basic Instinct. He did Total Recall. Uh, Showgirls, Total Recall, of course, Starship Troopers. Showgirls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he, he kind of had like just a, a some brief... of the greatest fucking food films of all time. Let's put it that way. Well, it's it's weird because yeah. it's like he he made movies in, in Europe and then he came over to America and got in the Hollywood system and made really successful, popular, well received movies: RoboCop, Total Recall, Basic Instinct, and then he made really poor 
poorly received, not as good movies. Starship Troopers, which has has gotten some recognition uh, more recently. And Was then, Starship yeah. Troopers poorly received when it came out? Oh yeah, Ext- I mean, because yeah. that's a brilliant movie. The like, satire it's bizarre, really escaped but... a lot of critics. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, people huh. took it at face value and were like, "This is just a shitty, cheesy action movie." But people, and it was marketed but... that way too, so I didn't even really want to see it when it came out. Yeah. Even though I was probably, you know, the target audience. But people generally got RoboCop, right? I mean, I guess there was probably equal amounts, maybe not even equal, but there was some degree at least of people understanding the satire mixed with people just thinking it was a fun action movie and enjoying the fascism of it all. Yeah, I think with RoboCop, you don't need to be on board with the message as much to get entertainment out of it. I don't Mm. know. Mm, I don't know, yeah. but 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 then like Showgirls was the same thing, where like Showgirls people just thought it was stupid, trash, dismissed it, people hated it, and then uh, Hollow Man uh, people didn't like as much either. So then he went back to Europe. He said, "You guys don't deserve me. <laughs> I'm gonna go make movies about uh, rape and horny nuns." <laughs> yeah. Well, but what has he Living made the since then? Like be- before L, I'm trying to remember. Like what else? Was he doing before? He made like a World he War made a II. Nazi movie, yeah. right? He made okay. like a World War Two okay. period. The movie. Black Book, I think it was called. I don't know. It had a, it had a like, like a Dutch title or a French title or something. You know, and and I have to admit, like as much as I love Verhoeven and think that people are idiots for not under, not understanding the intent of say Starship Troopers, I've seen L twice and I don't quite get it. I don't quite get it. I'm not on the L train. <laughs> I, I, sorry that wasn't actually supposed to be a joke i guess it sounds like a joke but it, was, it wasn't that, supposed it was to be a, a funny joke. joke though anyways hollow man's about the invisible man it's basically yeah. an invisible man story <laughs> that's all it's, you need to know it's kevin a... bacon is the invisible man i don't know why they didn't call it the invisible man although i do like the title hollow man and he uh kevin bacon is a cocky ass scientist who has been testing invisibility technology on various animals and right at the beginning of the movie basically he and his colleagues played by among others elizabeth shue and josh brolin successfully bring a gorilla back from being invisible and basically it's time for human trials however kevin bacon is a cocky motherfucker and he doesn't want the it's the army right like the military who are his his employers he doesn't want them to have control basically of his technology so he deceives them and and he decides to test it on himself and shit goes sideways from there because the transformation makes him even more of a fucked up shitty son of a bitch than he was to begin with now that's an interesting point you just made because they definitely do talk about how you go like the animals that they've made disappear, mm-hmm. start acting aggressive after they've been gone a certain amount of time. So I think it's reasonable to assume that that Kevin Bacon, Sebastian Crane, right? That's his name. Yeah, um, I, I think it's reasonable to assume that the invisibility makes him uh, go crazy. But actually, Josh Brolin has a line late in the movie where he's like, was it the serum that fucked you up or the power? Because he's not a good guy. Mm. No. And he's pretty right. much the same guy at the end of the movie that he is at the beginning of the movie. He's just well, invisible. He's just, well, and he's also like Emboldened. seemingly invincible as well and murderous. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't he wasn't a cold blooded killer at the beginning of the movie, but he's the kind of guy you can imagine could be under the right circumstances, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's trash at the beginning. He's just emboldened 
trash at the end I think. and and he's trash in a in a kind of a specific way and i have to so this is my second time watching this in in a year um so so it was pretty fresh in my my memory uh and this, this i i felt this way more strongly the first time i watched it than the second time but um he's a creep in a kind of a specific way that we now know like tech bros are creeps and stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I I don't know who like sort of the model for this sort of guy would have been in 2000 when they made the movie, but he is reminiscent to me of, you know, like a, uh, uh, Elon Musk or a Mark Zuckerberg or somebody so, like a narcissist who just thinks that they're literally he says I'm God because he is good enough at doing things on the computer and he doesn't think he should answer to anybody not his employers not the government not his co-workers not ethics and you see sort of how that plays out once he's given infinite power by being invisible. I don't know if I have yeah. a take on that. I I hadn't really thought about whether he was a tech bro or not, but yeah, sure. I mean, that's just how it, it lands with me watching it in this age where it seems like so yeah. much of our lives are being run by psychopaths. Sure, yeah. I think uh, also uh, maybe the maybe the reason that's not called the Invisible Man is I think Universal might have the rights to the univer- the Invisible Man or something. Oh, I'm which, sure. You yeah. know. I was I was mostly joking about They'd that, probably but put it's... a trademark on it. But Hollow Man, I was always wondering though. I just you know I've always dissected these titles like Hollow Man. What's in that title? Is it trying to say something? Is it the emphasis on hollow? Is the emphasis on man? You could read it a few different ways. I don't know. <laughs> mm. Is it like it's kind of like the hollow invisible man. man? Is the emphasis on invisible or man? I don't know. <laughs> right. No, right. I know you're. It is interesting though, Chris. I I did kind of play with that. Turn it over in my head a little bit too. Um, in the end, I'm curious to hear y'all's takes on what it meant for you, how it uh, resonated with you. I feel like that's a good word to pair with hollow. The title. You know. Yeah. I don't think there's any sort of thematic substance to it i think it's mostly because he winds up wearing a mask for much of the movie where you can see straight through his eye holes and he appears to be hollow inside and they couldn't use obviously the term invisible man for legal reasons and it's just a good title it draws you in what the fuck does that mean hollow man it's just a good title i don't think there's much more to it than that i think there is but you know maybe we can save that discussion for the spoiler room when we get deeper or not i, I mean I, I i'll i'll say what i think it, it, okay. i don't think that i i don't know if this is intentional or not but again i just kind of got hung up on the man aspect of it and especially being a little i guess prejudiced by my prior knowledge of paul verhoven and, and his fascination especially with sex thinking mm-hmm. of you know how does this guy use his power well it's not a spoiler to tell you that he does a lot of things that 14 year old boys want would do if they were invisible and he you know creeps on women uh to a pr- pretty disturbing degree and that's kind of that's like kind of his main mo as a matter of fact and uh, yeah i just thought that there was just something about his him being a man that was uh exacerbated i guess by his transformation and that might be the where the emphasis is in the title but i don't i doubt it's intentional that's just how it resonated with me but i guess that's what i'm saying is i don't think that title's particularly deep i mean okay like yeah this man is is hollow there's not a lot to him there may be significance to that title but it's fairly shallow to me i guess mm. i don't know unless there's unless there's some code that i haven't cracked i, I well I, no at the end I'd of the day i think to it's see what paul says about it our friend paul <laughs> our old friend paulie yeah, paulie our v. buddy um 
No, I mean, you're, I agree with you. At the end of the day, if it's intentional and there is significance to it, which I did read into the film, it's still like a, you know, it's not like a mind-blowing title or anything. No, you know? no. Um, Even so, that shallow reading of it sort of adds a lens to how you're supposed to feel about this guy that isn't really in the text of the movie, I would say. How so? Just him being a, like him being a, a hollow person, a person uh, like a body with no soul, a, a, a man who is has there's nothing to him except his his ego and his menace like you know he doesn't have any any he doesn't have anything in his life except for his work i mean we see that so i just i just think that it kind of tells you draws draws your attention to an aspect of him that you might otherwise uh, not appreciate hmm. i, I think i would agree I think with that, that is all in the text of the movie though i don't what do you mean it's not in the text of the movie i mean Yes, it's there, but it's. I wouldn't say it's emphasized. I mean, this is this is a pretty slight movie. That's kind of my main yeah. complaint with it. This movie is about an invisible man who goes crazy and does mayhem. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think the movie itself really invites you to think about this man's character and this man's life and who this man is as a person. He's just an invisible man. I think the movie, I, I'm sort of with you, but I, I, I take a little bit of umbrage with your description because I think we mean the same thing. I think the movie tells you who he is on a surface level immediately. Mm-hmm. I think the title also kind of gears you up for if you're, you know, if you are turning that over in your mind before you see this movie or in the early moments of it. Like, I think like <laughs> the amount, of, I don't know, what am I trying to say here? It's not a deep movie. <laughs> It's not a no. deep movie. We're trying to make it deeper than it is right now. It's a movie about a shitty guy who is shitty and becomes shittier because he yeah. is invisible. And that's full stop. It's not RoboCop. It's not Starship Troopers. I'm not sure what the criticism of this movie generally is because I know it's generally poorly regarded. And I guess I'm skipping my review right now doing that thing that we do so often. But that's fine. It's a simple little horror thriller. It's about a bad guy. He's a bad guy. What else do we need to know about him? He's a, he's a bad dude. He's a bad boy. He's a bad dude. And like the, the movie is full of like the lamest sort of historical and philosophical references to the point that he makes them. He makes a couple of jokes or references multiple times, but to different characters. Yes. Um, which I thought was actually kind of brilliant because it does show you that it just makes him seem like even more of a fucking asshole. He's so obsessed with himself that he recycles his own jokes. But like, there's nothing to read into those either. Like, yeah, you can put a reference to Da Vinci in your movie, but if it's just an offhand joke that Kevin Bacon says twice as like once before and once after he becomes the invisible man, like it doesn't give you anything to chew on. It's like, it's, it's like trying to trick dumb audiences into thinking that it might be a little bit smarter and deeper than it really is. That was a thread that I, that, that I kind of picked up on a couple of times in my experience with this movie. Yeah. I was interested about uh, who wrote this and what else they've done. The this is yes. the, the writer of this also wrote Air Force One, which is a good movie, and is, and is the creator of Castle. I've never watched Castle. Have you watched Castle? I, I've just seen bits and pieces of it. I've heard right. that it's a generally good-natured show about Nathan Fillion being Nathan Fillion. Basically, it seemed tone. It was interesting to me because because from what I know of Castle, it's tonally quite different from this. Mm. Well, I saw he, he did Air Force One and he did End of Days, the Arnold Schwarzenegger movie oh. where he like fights the devil or whatever. <gasps> That's what that movie's about. Yeah. yeah. 
Oh, fuck, I need to see that. That's come up on the show at least twice before. <laughs> and each time I've had to confirm for Chris that it's the movie where Schwarzenegger fights the devil and not the sixth day where he's yes. like oh, a clone yeah. or I something. I could talk about the sixth day all day. Oh, I remember talking about the sixth day. <laughs> and we could day. talk about the title of Hollow Man all day, but I, we should probably move on. Okay, uh, to talk about another Hollow Man, can we discuss our feelings on Kevin Bacon? Yeah, I like him. And I just revealed mine. <laughs> I love Kevin Bacon. Really? I do not like him in this movie. Hmm. I thought he I, was great in this movie. I mean, I it's he was one of those things too. where it's like it's like separating the art from the artist or the character mm-hmm. from the actor. Where like he's so fucking smarmy that even it made me reinterpret his facial features, not just the expressions mm-hmm. he's making, but it made me think like, God, he really does. He was a creep right out of the womb. Like he was born to play a part like this. When in reality, he's in a bunch of movies that I love him in, and I find him very charming. I do not like Kevin Bacon in. I think almost anything I've seen him in my my feelings about him range from being mildly unsettled to just like intensely disliking him on screen. And it's best when he's playing an out and out villain like in this because he just has there's something about that weird gleam in his eye and his weird like mouth. He should have played the Joker. He's like a he's perfect impish. Joker. He has a very impish quality to him. Impish, yeah. yeah, but also there's something malevolent about his presence to me. And I don't know anything about him as a human being. I don't want to cast aspersions about him as a person. No, Patrick, just, how can you he say He always these seems how, like how, a little <laughs> off to me and I don't <laughs> like him. Even in like say Apollo uh 11, I always forget the numbers. Pa- I Apollo I don't 13? even like him in that. Wait. Apollo 13 sorry yes see I always forget the numbers Uh, I don't even like him in that there's just something where it's like I don't like this guy he doesn't seem quite right and I know and I know this is another in like sort of a long lineage of just weird takes I have about like instinctual reactions to actors but I I don't like Kevin Bacon I can't believe you would say these things about your friends friends uncles co-workers neighbors (laughs) uh, father <laughs> oh my god. Chris has been, just been waiting to drop that for like the last 2 minutes of me ranting. Um yeah, I no, I listen, I I thought um I don't have any opinions about Kevin Bacon in general, but uh in this movie I really liked him and I actually thought um I'll push back on what Steven said. I I think that uh I thought he was uh charming and charismatic to an extent, which I I read then later read was sort of the uh, intent to have him be someone who's clearly an asshole but clearly has uh swagger that's a little bit uh appealing um and i felt this way more on my second watch Hmm. i think than my first watch for reasons i'll have to psychoanalyze myself as to why i warmed up to this creep uh since june (laughs) or whenever i watched this movie well i know that that is the intent right like i know that the character is written that way that it's performed that way i just I don't know. I just couldn't see past the even the slightest malevolence in any given scene. Mm. Like, I just I don't know. Um, yeah. Liked him a lot better when he was invisible. Mm. Yeah. I mean, he it, 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 that's definitely in the performance that he has that charisma where you get how he's gotten to the point that he has. But he's still obviously a creep and a villain. And, you know, <laughs> Chris, obviously, I uh, your tech bro take was a little bit of a non-starter for me but now it's caused me to connect this movie to the social network and his performance reminds me a bit of jesse eisenberg in the social network where he's just that anti-social but also weirdly magnetic force that is irresistible and sort of sociopathic more than a little sociopathic 
And Jesse Eisenberg is kind of similar to me where I'm just like, I don't like Jesse Eisenberg. I think he's a good actor. I just don't like him very much. He just gives me the fucking willies the same way Kevin Bacon does. So maybe hmm. remake Hollow Man with Jesse Eisenberg. That's my conclusion. <laughs> Let's do it. Well, I want to see Hollow Man 2, which has Christian Slater oh, Christian in Slater, it. Slater, yeah. And that I remember that coming out. That had to be direct to video, right? Yeah, that it was. Did not, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. But direct to video or not, I feel like I feel like there's a there's a floor to how bad a movie can be when it's an Invisible Man movie with Christian Slater, so, <laughs> and and it's it's in my cue at range. So. Well, just wait till the elevator drops through that floor, Chris. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. There's a there's a it's British a Blu-ray that I was looking up today that is. Um, it's so bizarre that it is uh, a deluxe edition of both hollow man movies with a 52 page book of critical essays. Whoa. <laughs> and like, God wow. only knows what other special features. And I'm like, why That's did you lot. have to include hollow man two with this? <laughs> so maybe there's something to it. Like maybe they're good companion pieces. I just, I hope that we're getting to the point where if someone's like trying to write, make a compile a 52 page book of reviews on a movie like hollow man two, they give us a call. Oh, oh, I would love that. What an yeah. honor. That would yeah, be that honor. would be the peak of this journey. We would, it would be. we would have to end it immediately afterward. It it, it would be. Um but no, Kevin Bacon, I liked him and also, you know, he he does give you the willies, but I I really like once he goes invisible and how he's, you know, he's spooky, but not in he's not like ba ha ha ha, ooh, I'm going to kill you, but just like the way he interacts with his coworkers after he goes invisible is almost immediately terrifying. Yeah, especially when you can't yeah. see his expressions, you know? Yes. Like he does really great voice work in this, I think. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um and I read that they actually Kevin Bacon was actually on set for all this, all these scenes, mm. like when he's in the lab with the Love co-workers that. and everything like that. They tried to shoot it. They tried to just have him. In fact, they had to bring him back, I think, because they were like, oh, we're just going to do this with voiceover. But the actors weren't responding to him well mm. enough. So they actually brought him on set and had him walking around and would shoot shit twice and composite it together um, so that people would be I reacting wondered. to him in a more visceral way i love that because this is like pre mocap right or like just before mocap became like sophisticated uh, enough to be able to have somebody do a full performance in a movie i like would this. say i would say yeah there might have been a little bit of that but i i, I think I, i've been i'm fascinated with how they did the special effects in this movie we'll yeah i mean into, yeah, we'll let's talk about that, that. they well, look we'll great that for the after, after steven finishes his, his point here <laughs> oh oh what's no your, that, what's that, your point, that, that I, I, my only point was that I'm, I'm also like mystified as to how they did this because I assumed it was mocap for, for much of this, and it seems like it wasn't. But he was still on set, like reading his lines. Yes, well, okay. he, walking around and stuff. But I mean, he, I'm talking about when he's completely invisible. Yeah, yeah, know? yeah. Well, I think you're talking about like when they're he he was there to deliver lines to Elizabeth Shue, say for example, when she's talking to him and he's invisible with fucking little leads attached to him on the hospital bed. Is that what you're saying? Right. Chris? Okay, I think I understand now because there are very few shots where he's in the scene and he's invisible where he isn't also like doing something. Like at one point he's even just like there's just like a he's got a he's captured a fly and there's just a fly hanging out in the corner of the screen while he's yeah. talking to someone. Yeah. Oh, when he but has it, the mask on, I would assume that was him. Chris, I think, is talking yeah. about when he's fully invisible, no mask, no clothes. Right. right? Yes. That's yes. I'm, I'm understanding that now. OK, 
Yeah, the mask stuff makes sense. I assumed that was him, and then they just CG'd his eyes so that it appears to be hollow. But yeah, the the special effects just wowed me. Um, yeah. And they, they're still, I, I would say, when, when I first saw this movie, they wowed me. And when I watched it mm-hmm. again for this show, they still really impressed me. But I, th- I think I could understand a little bit more about how they were done. So it lost some of the magic. But like the, the 1933 Invisible Man movie still wows me. I don't it's know amazing. how the fuck they did that. Me neither. <laughs> I don't know. And I watched that movie. I'm like, I, and that's, I don't even want to know how they did that. I'm like, how did they do this in 1933? I think what they did is they got an actual Invisible Man. <laughs> like, like I, feel I like think it, there was some dark magic involved or something i feel like in 1933 it's easier to make an invisible man in real life than it is to <laughs> fake an invisible man in a film the invisible um, man movie from 1930 whatever it is wows me this wows me the elizabeth moss invisible man wows me i mean there are three in my opinion fantastic movies made from this property I, I this is yeah, I, I would do a triple feature. Wait, I thought you were going to give this a negative review based on something you said earlier. Oh no! Now you're saying it's fantastic. Oh my god! Well, the, the scales are just <laughs> tipping back and forth in my mind. Invisible Man action is just so fun to watch for some reason. I agree, and mm-hmm. it's always like, how the done fuck well did they yeah. do that? How did they yep. do that? The way you know he in this movie he walks around and he you know puts on a dress shirt and shit. Um, it's it's just it's incredible. It it blows my mind. I love when he's just got the fucking like hospital blanket you know that kind of like hospital color blanket on and walking around it's yes. so creepy he looks like a wraith wandering yes. around this facility yes the simple thing that wowed me in this movie was just anytime he had that mask on and you can see through to the back of his head it's a simple mm-hmm. thing but especially for this coming out in 2000 i was like that looks really convincing and really creepy the complicated thing in this that really wowed me the complicated effect that really wowed me is when he's creeping on elizabeth's shoe and he's like massaging her shoulders and just the way the very realistic way that her shoulders and and the the cloth of the the shirt or top or whatever that she's wearing sort of indent under his invisible fingers was really really convincing which leads to a very unsettling effect and that really kind of knocked me out too that it's all just amazing work especially again for something that came out 22 years ago and my understanding of it is like a lot of stuff like there there other than the real obvious examples, there isn't a ton of CG. Oh, I mean, there is, but not as much as you would think. Like, mm. there's scenes where he gets, you know, doused in blood, for example. And I think he was actually wearing, like, a a, 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 a green screen suit. And you're actually oh. seeing the blood splatter on his actual body. Um, oh. And they, they, they clean it up in the computer and stuff. I think he must have been in the pool sequence, too, at least in a couple shots of it. It's like there's no way that there's not another human body struggling with that guy under the water. Yep. And, and I was really trying to, I I didn't have time to go back and look, but I really want to go back and like pay attention to the lighting to figure out like how they could possibly make that work. But it's, uh, yeah, just a testament to the, genius of these effects um i think most of what you're seeing is is more compositing than say you know 3d computer generated imagery you know taking two mm -hmm. images and putting them together like i i don't know this for a fact but i would assume that like when you see through his eyes he's got green screen eyes and you're and they probably took a mask and and matt turned it to match his head movements and actually photographed it and and put that in i think this movie i mean does it right in that like I think there is more practical stuff in it that you just don't 
realize as you're watching it because it's so hard to wrap your mind around the first or second or third time you see this movie. But I think there is a good balance of, of practical and CGI in, in, in most sequences. And there are some sequences where there like it is clear that there's a little bit too much CGI going on and it's a little distracting. But I think Verhoeven directs that stuff well where he doesn't linger on anything that doesn't work for too long. I mean, frankly, even I was just wowed in that very first scene with the gorilla. You know, they're strapping an invisible gorilla into a hospital bed. And even just like the way you see the gorilla's arm kind of move and like the the muscle and sort of vein movement in the arm that and the way that flexes the leather strap that's wrapped around its arm. Amazing. It, it, immediately you believe it. And that's before you even see the gorilla slowly come back to visibility, starting with the veins, the heart, then the muscles, the skin, the hair. It's just, it it really is astounding. And especially is an achievement that it, again, looks that good 22 years later. I'm glad you like that because I was expecting um, there to be some sentiment uh, on our discussion that <laughs> it was, you know, bad CGI. Um, and there, are, I, there are occasional I, moments where it looks bad, but again, it's 22 years old, so I cut it some slack, and for the most part, it looks amazing, even if it came out today, in my book. I was, well, I wouldn't go that far. I was going to say it doesn't look good. I was going to say it is... Like the gorilla, you know, specifically? Yeah, the, the gorilla, and then, I mean, Kevin Bacon does the same thing later, but here's the thing, like, I don't need it to be convincing cgi because i thought it was such an interesting effect like i've, I've never seen mm. that sort of you know like you described the transformation very well that sort of layer by layer you know it, it would be fascinating to look at a, at a medical illustration that yeah. strips somebody away layer by layer like that so it doesn't need to be i don't need to be in that moment being like oh wow that looks really realistic because just the the presentation and then what was going on and then the the images were just so interesting to me um and had a lot of imagination behind them well, and it's intriguing, too, because it's not just static, but I mean, it's moving. The thing is breathing. And I mean, again, even when you see Kevin Bacon and he's kind of coming back, you can see most of his body like minus skin. And, you know, sometimes, yeah, it doesn't look great. It never looks bad, in my opinion. And it's still like his, you know, his muscles are moving. You can see his chest moving. And it's just very disconcerting and and intriguing and interesting to watch. I, it makes me I would like to see this sort of thing done with, you know, the CGI that we have today. But I don't know. I don't know if they are right in budgets like that for these kind of movies anymore. It'd be <laughs> certainly not ninety out. million dollars for something like this. I mean, that blows my fucking mind. That's like three times more than the Elizabeth Moss Invisible Man movie cost. Wow. And like two thirds of it was spent on effects. Wow. It had to be, yeah. Yes. How did this um, do box office-wise? Did it make that back? Ew, good question. I've seen conflicting information, but both indicate that it was a hit. It's just a matter mm. of how big of a hit it was. Mm. I know it was huge on VHS, which is where I saw it. Mm. Um, well, yeah, it grossed over $100 million, so. Okay. All right. I mean, it's well, you got to factor but in what, marketing costs, but yeah, whether or not that makes a—I mean, it couldn't have been a huge success because it was the last movie that they let him make. <laughs> <laughs> I get the impression he walked away because he felt like this movie doesn't have any deeper meaning in it. I'm being stifled. Like I'm not the big action sci-fi movie guy mm -hmm. unless I'm allowed to subvert those tropes in some sort of way. 
mm-hmm. which I think he, I mean, there is some interesting stuff to be said about the male gaze in this, um, particularly as it relates to his other films. Yeah. We're going to have to go in the spoiler room for some of that. I think. Yeah. No, I think, I think there's some like really good stuff in this where like I could tell it's Fairhoven behind the camera, um, like for, for better or worse. And the, the male gaze is sort of compounded by the fact that there's also an invisible guy in the room somewhere too. Oh my yes. God. Steven's door just opened of its own volition and I know it's his cat, but it freaked me the fuck it's out. It's Sebastian. For a it was Sebastian. <laughs> That's amazing. We just hear Kevin's Bacon's voice on his mic. That'd be terrifying. Get chills thinking about it. But this movie was, you know, nominated for the Academy Award for Best Special Effects and Best Visual Effects. And, um, you know, I think the takeaway here, this is practical versus CGI. This movie's using everything. And it, much like Jurassic Park, it's just using the best tool for the job and combining yes. on-set techniques with computer effects and and, yes. and using everything to the for what it's supposed to be used for. So, yeah. We don't have to have this, the practical versus uh, CGI fight today. <laughs> no, yeah, no. You know, it's interesting talking about uh, how Verhoeven kind of walked away from these bigger budget, like effects, sci-fi, horror kind of thriller things, especially in light of our earlier conversation about Cronenberg. I want to see Verhoeven make like one last balls out crazy, gory sci-fi horror, some kind of thing. I mean, God bless him that he's making kind of lower key, edgy films. But I, I want to see one last big genre film from him before he leaves us. You know? Hmm. Sure. Oh, I would love to see it too. I just have to wonder, like, what would it take to motivate him creatively to do that again? Yeah. Same yeah. thing with Cronenberg, where I feel like you know that one makes more sense to me because I feel like the world has finally caught up to Cronenberg's vision, and he's like, oh. They get it now. I can just make one of these movies and it'll be a hit because this yeah. is where we're at societally. Yeah. And like, in the, like Titan, you know, like that yeah. got made and won a bunch of awards. So <laughs> it, the time is the time is right for him to return. Verhoeven, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I feel like his politics are maybe a little too complicated to to fly in, in today's society. If he were to go back and try and make a RoboCop type movie, mm. but I'm with you. I want to see what that looks like. Yeah. I mean, let me be clear. I, uh, in the spirit of our dear departed friend and, and former guest, Bill Reiser, I want him to make whatever he wants to be making, you mm-hmm. know, but I, I do also love the mental exercise of envisioning what Verhoeven's last big gory effects political genre blowout film would be if it were to happen. But as Chris was saying, you know, to discuss some of the more, uh, most of the action in this movie, I think it makes, yeah, the more lurid action in the movie, which is all the action in the movie, really, it makes sense to go to the spoiler room. But before we go down there, I want to, I want to give a little shine to Kevin Bacon's opposite number in this movie. I think Elizabeth Shue does a tremendous job. I think she's, I think it's a actually oh, a pretty well written yeah. character. They give her something to work with. This is not just like a dumb damsel in distress. She's fairly capable, and she's great. This is yeah, an interesting she was character always to great. watch. Yeah, and she's yeah. she's definitely performance wise the highlight of this movie to me because we get mm. Brolin, but Brolin's just doing you know he's good, but he's, he's doing, doing Brolin. Brolin. Yeah, yeah. All right. Do we have other things to talk about that? don't belong in the spoiler room no well we just gotta no. review it well yeah obviously <laughs> we almost before forgot before we review it is there is there anything to talk about 
Uh, no. no. Okay, great. Chris, what's your review? Ah, uh, this is a really hard one for me. Would you view it, cue it, screw it, or hollow it out? I, I don't know what that means, but me I, I will. <laughs> I will say I got I think I got to come down on cue it on this one. Um, and it's it's a high cue it. Um, it, it like I said, if you're looking for an invisible man. If you're looking for Invisible Man action, this is probably the best movie on the market for you today. Um, I love Lee Winnell's The Invisible Man. I mean, it's, if you're it's... looking for an Invisible Man in general, just good luck. <laughs> yeah, that's that's true. Um, <laughs> Zing. Um, I the, the, the Lee Winnell's Invisible Man is is nearly a perfect film in my book, uh, but it's not. I don't think like a definitive Invisible Man movie because it's got other concerns on its mind than just let's watch the Invisible Man do crazy shit. If you want to see an Invisible Man do some crazy shit, this is the best movie for you to watch and the special effects bring you can bring me so much joy uh kevin bacon and elizabeth shoe bring me so much joy but outside of that eh, it's pretty middle of the road you know there's it's, it the like i said this like we said the screenplay is pretty slight it doesn't seem to have a whole lot to say the performances outside of the top two or three actors are serviceable the cinematography serviceable everything about this is very serviceable year 2000 thriller movie um it has a action a series of action at the end which it, it, the invisible man stuff's cool but it is a little you know it doesn't do a lot for me so i can't give it a recommendation but i certainly think uh people should see it if they like invisible man stuff and you could do a lot worse on netflix and you could do a lot worse on every streaming service there's nothing wrong with this movie it just doesn't reach the level to where i'm gonna wholeheartedly recommend it to people so cue it patrick view it big view it for me it's it's incredibly entertaining and i don't i don't need anything more from it than what it is content warning for sexual assault obviously well not obviously because we haven't talked about that yet but uh not a movie to watch if that is a trigger point for you at all it will not be entertaining but very well done well acted effects are incredible and it's just a fun gory horror thriller not verhoven's best but i enjoyed it i was glad i finally watched it yeah enjoyed it I'm glad you you um, provide that little content warning on there because that actually is one of the reasons why I wouldn't unequivocally recommend this uh, or just throw it out there and say view it yeah. because yeah. there's a good chance someone would view it on my recommendation yes. and say, Chris, what the fuck is wrong with you? Why, yeah. why do you like this movie? <laughs> yeah, and that is exactly why I added that content warning because yeah, I, you know that's certainly a component of the plot. This this character is a sexual predator. Yes, and and that content warning will will extend into our spoiler room because we're going to be discussing that stuff. Um, yeah, and and I mean the character that behavior is obviously not condoned, and the character is very much punished for it in the end. But we'll discuss that in the spoiler room, Stephen. Yeah, well, that'll be an interesting discussion because I'm, you know, I go back and forth on content warnings. If this were a movie that like had something interesting to say about men and sexual assault. Like I might be able to give it a, a stronger recommendation and less of a, yeah, and less of like sort of a trigger warning as we, as we called them up until recently, but I, I'm rambling. I'm going to give this a low cue it. Like this movie is a technical Marvel that still just completely dazzled me in so many ways, but it's hung on a very uh, thin, almost invisible skeleton. Like we've <laughs> seen this plot, we've seen this plot before 
the, most of the performances are not great. Elizabeth Shue and Kevin Bacon, like, give us some good stuff for the crappy material they have to work with. Like, I didn't really find either of them that complex or interesting, except as, uh, except in comparison to how, like, kind of uh, dead and airless everything else in the movie was. Um, I did not find it particularly entertaining. I thought it almost two hours, given that it's uh, utterly predictable, at least the main plot beats, it kind of drag dips a little bit in some places. I won't say drags. And this, the gross sexual assault of it all completely sucked the air out of it for me because I didn't think it was just showing me something showing me something I didn't need to see. Like some of some of it could have been left implied. Instead I think it's often there just to actually titillate, which is sort of fucked up. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah, like we'll, that's we'll, we'll get into all that. We'll get into all that, but <laughs> I'm just I'm just gi- gi- giving the 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 broad strokes of the reasoning behind my review. I would say like if sexual assault, gross sexual assault doesn't uh bother you and you don't expect like a particularly redeeming arc, uh put it on the background and your eyes will tell you when to pay attention. You know, like there's some dazzling stuff in it. Otherwise, you could probably find a really good YouTube supercut of all the cool special effects sequences in it or some of the highlights and like that's enough. Like the story isn't much to speak of, the script isn't much to speak of. There's there's nothing left to after seeing it to dig into beyond the technical achievements and where it went wrong thematically. And what the title Hollow Man means and everything oh, else yeah. we've well, been talking can, about I'm, for the last hour. That I forgot about that. You could lose some sleep mulling that one <laughs> over. I forgot. Um yeah, so very low cue it from me for Hollow Man. Are we going down to the spoiler lab? We're going to take that long we're gonna, elevator we're gonna, down We're going to jump on everything? the elevator. We're going to jump on the elevator. We'll see. Oh, hopefully it stays in working shape all the way down to the spoiler lab, but uh, we'll see. Or maybe we won't because it could be an invisible elevator. <laughs> Welcome back. We have ridden the decaying, exploding elevator down to the spoiler basement lab, which we're going to explain what the fuck that even means in a minute. And we're here to discuss and spoil everything about Hollow Man, because you, listener, made the decision to not go and watch this masterpiece and just let us tell you everything that happens in it. Or maybe you watched it already, which good for you. I want to lead in to the spoiler room discussion because I want to give you guys sure. a little bit of my context, my history with Hollow Man. Oh, and right. I think you it said does... you had a you had a disturbing story about this movie, right? It's not a disturbing, it's a funny story, but okay. uh, part of it is a little bit disturbing upon reflection, and it speaks to, I think, uh, how this movie played to at least young boys when it came out. I saw this movie, this came out in 2000, so I was 12, but it had to have come out on VHS like a year later or something. So we'll say maybe I was 13. I wouldn't say too young to see this movie because this is the kind of shit that me and my 12 and 13 year old friends are watching around that time. But in older, my, it's going to stay at a friend's house with a couple other friends. Friend's older sister was able to rent this movie, and it was like a big deal because we'd all seen the trailer a million times. And we knew it was going to be really sexual, right? This is like, a perfect movie for a thirteen-year-old sleepover. Kind hmm. of. Here's here's something really funny that I remembered when this movie was chosen on our last app. So uh, there was a lot of anticipation for a certain scene in this movie uh, among among the boys in in the group. 
And it's kind of funny to think that I turned out to be the only at least openly gay one. So we we know from the trailer that the, that there's the scene where the where the gorilla you know we see it like it get built up you know inside out we see all of its muscles mm-hmm. and we get down to the bones and arteries whatever. One of my friends who I thought at the time was like one of the smartest people I knew was really excited because he we knew that this was going to also happen to Kevin Bacon at some point in the movie, and. This friend was very excited because we were about to see what a penis bone looks like. Uh, <laughs> and we do. This is the, his only resource for to, to figure for out. Yeah, this is this is in, this is basically an anatomical textbook that like we Kevin Bacon is going to teach us what the bone in your penis looks like. He didn't want to and, go on to Alta Vista and and type in penis bone. No, because then your parents would find yeah, out. Yeah, then your parents would find it. So you have to rent Hollow Man on VHS. When the parents are on vacation and you, you get an education. Uh, needless to say, there was a kind of sigh of, of confusion and disappointment when it turns out that there is not, in fact, a bone in your penis. Um, sorry if that's news to either of you. Didn't he know that from Halloween what? decorations? Do you think it was <laughs> censored on the Halloween decorations? <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, those didn't have an MPAA R rating. Or, wow. God, I have to wonder if there's an NC-17 cut of this that there's came out not, of VHS. Actually. There's according, not, According to Wikipedia, this is like the only movie that Verhoeven made that didn't have to be recut. <laughs> I mean, I must say, I was shocked that you do see his penis numerous times. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah, we see I the thought penis. They would, That's fine. You I see thought... S- I thought they would cut around that or even just like straight up just remove the penis and no and Kevin Bacon was all about showing his dick. He was in wild things. Well, but his, see his big old well, dick but it's in that? his muscle penis. We, we never see his penis. <laughs> his muscle with, penis. You can, you can see on. his actual penis briefly <laughs> if you? you're looking for it. Yeah. When he's if you're looking of, for it. Yeah. Do you think it's anatomically it, correct? Table, you can see it briefly. Okay. okay. I mean, Do you think we, it's anatomically correct, though? Do you think that they like really built out yes, like this is his it, penis without flesh? I read this is a how lot of Wikipedia about this movie, and so oh, I can yeah, tell well, you that they actually, they actually did a full body <laughs> scan of him, uh, and they used his actual body for all the CGI stuff. Oh, great! Yeah. <laughs> oh, great! <laughs> <laughs> there's okay. There's a moment in this where you straight up see through his butthole, and his balls and dick are hanging down because he's <laughs> he's he's half what? transformed. He's I half transformed, that. and Me he's too. climbing onto um, not Elizabeth's shoe. Who's the the um, the woman with the pixie haircut? That's the not vet. as interesting. I don't know her name. She's the veterinarian. Yeah, I don't know her name. There's a scene where he's like, I think it's under her, like climbing onto her and he's like half trans, half visible. So you just see like his muscles and his tendons and his balls and his dick. And like, you can just see right through the crack and and there it is. Because he's like, it's facing the camera, but is facing the screen. And it's, I have never seen anything quite like it. All right. Well, I'll have to rewatch and look for that, I suppose. But eagle-eyed viewers will notice uh, Kevin Bacon's butthole. I, I'm gonna go back and look for that. I want to see. It. <laughs> but look, look the the spoilers for this movie. It's very simple. He he's a maniac, all right, and and he's 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 not able to come back. That kind of is what what fucks everybody up because he yeah. they make him invisible. They thought they could bring him back. They, they've <laughs> my fucking cat's about to get a new name, Sebastian. Cause he's being a dick. <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> 
so they're not able to bring him back. So he's end up stuck in invisible mode for way too long. He gets pissed off, and you know he decides he's gonna go out on the town. So he sneaks by. Well, I mean, just going listen, out for a bit of the old the ultraviolence. Let's get to the chase. There, he he like his first night of invisibility. He molests one of his coworkers. Yeah. What is there to say about it? I mean, I you know I, I think it's as good a point as any to acknowledge what Steven said earlier, which I think is very accurate. Is you know like yeah we're supposed to understand that this character is not doing good things he's not a good guy and he does get punished for this in the end but yes the there's a lot of there are what three different scenes of molestation and or rape in this movie and they are depicted in fairly titillating kind of ways you know we really linger we really linger over this breast in this case as he which we knew was going to be in this movie yes Going into it. No, no, I'm saying me and I my didn't. friends. And that was like another reason to see oh. the movie is like, dude, you're going to get see a tit and he's like grabbing it, but mm. he's invisible. And like that was supposed to, right. to us, that was like exciting, you know, like we'd never seen anything like it before. Obviously, as an adult, it's extremely yeah. disturbing. Yeah. So, so, but I mean, this is, this is the main thing I'm interested in talking about because I, I mentioned to some of my other friends that I was watching this movie and they all remembered seeing titties. They were yeah. like, oh, there's a movie where you see the dirty. I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And then my one, my one friend was like, I remember that all being in very poor taste. And I don't oh. think, I don't even know if he's seen it. And I was like, poor taste. I had not considered that it might be in poor taste. And I think part of that is because I give Paul Verhoeven so much slack because he's been a, a very, you know, sexual director and he's had his work very misunderstood a lot but i think he's had he had good intentions for the most part so i kind of just give him benefit of the doubt but Mm -hmm. then watching it i was like yeah i think this actually is in poor taste because even though this is a bad guy like it almost shifts into a different mode of filmmaking it feels like we're watching like a softcore porn movie yeah these scenes are playing out and it is shot to be titillating it's not shot to be horrifying and i can't really reconcile that i just think it's a fuck up it's like we know this behavior is wrong but the movie doesn't say anything about it it just leans into it right um and i yeah that's i don't know because he does the thing i love about verhoven is that he he's not afraid to go there he's not afraid to show you things that make you very uncomfortable that make you question your own beliefs your morals your politics and he generally gets away with it because he's such a smart guy and he's on like the right side of most issues. And this feels like a movie that maybe he didn't have much control over, the, over, over the script, hmm. you know, like, you well, when you put it that way, making it question your own, you know, your own morals or whatever, that, that, that might be the intention. Maybe he's taking this stuff and saying, all right, well, intellectually, you know, this is wrong, but don't you like it? What don't, what, how do you feel about it? Um, that might be what he's trying to do with the camera. I don't know. And that would make that kind of resonates with me because I think when we talk about voyeurism and I, I, I think about I thought about this a lot, like when the when the NSA like wiretap scandal, so-called scandal was you know coming out. And at first I and, thought you were going to say I thought about this when the NSA wiretapped my house. That is <laughs> no, really where I thought that was going. That, that hasn't happened. But like the, the Snowden no, leaks not that and you everything. Know of. And, and and our understanding of the surveillance state, whether it be the government, whether it be, you know, Mark Zuckerberg, whatever, um, you know, I think an important thing 
people need to understand about that is like it doesn't take a Sebastian Crane to spy on someone if you have the computer and you're in the NSA and you have the data of everybody in America. Like it's I think a natural curiosity and natural impulse for a lot of people to abuse power when they're given to it and that's why we have to make sure we don't give power willy-nilly to people i mean that's that's in our fucking constitution that's what the whole this whole setup of our government is it assumes that power is going to be abused by most people and so you got to really rein it in well and this abuse of power is happening you know under the watch of several generals at the pentagon you know so right it, i don't it, think it, that's an accident either yeah I, yeah, I mean, I don't think it's an accident, but I also don't feel like the movie makes us has like any it makes a strong enough statement about Patrick's that just Patrick's just grimacing. I you no I uh, I drink I've drank two beers at this point. I've drunk two beers oh, at this you're point. Drunk. <laughs> One of them was thirteen percent alcohol. Oh, he's fucked up. He's he's I'm, gone. Yeah. He's he's fading. He's fading like Sebastian Crane. That that take was too hot (laughs) for my blood. Wait, what is what? What's your point? Is basically that the idea is the U.S. government is corrupt and has allowed Sebastian Crane to be Sebastian Crane, and that the government allows other Sebastian Cranes to be Sebastian Crane. No, 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 no. I'm not talking about the government. I'm talking about just the nature of surveillance, the nature of voyeurism, the nature of being able to do things and and spy on people and knowing you won't get caught Um, and how it's a seductive thing that can seduce people who even aren't psychopaths. And I think that maybe if Verhoeven is aspiring to something great with his titillating cinematography and these <laughs> sex scenes, which are, are fucked up that maybe he is trying to show you that and say intellectually, you know, this is wrong, but let's see if I can titillate with you with it anyway and, and make you relate mm. to this monster in that way. Mm. Okay. I feel like I mean, the ingredients I, 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 are there. Interesting take. The ingredients are there, and there is a lot of stuff about surveillance in this. I mean, one way that they uh, try to keep track of him is by using a thermal camera, and they have this closed-circuit television, and because mm-hmm. he's brilliant, um, he he finds a way to get around that and, and play a little video on a loop of him in bed while he's out you know, committing sex crimes mm-hmm. so that everyone, so that the, the, you know, the, the guy on call thinks that he's still in the room and hasn't mm-hmm. escaped. And like, that's a motif that comes up in this often, but what does it all mean? I don't know. <laughs> like, I don't think it, I don't think it really adds up to any kind of definitive intellectual statement. And that's no. where I was left very disappointed because that is kind of what I expect from a Verhoeven movie, even though sometimes it might take me a few days or a few visits to like get exactly what he's up to. Right. I've seen this movie twice over a period of 22 years, and I still feel as like bewildered and lukewarm about it as I as I did the first time. And yeah. maybe we're just giving him too much credit because we want a fanboy over our director who we think is so deep and subversive. Well, and Chris, you tend maybe. to you you tend to cut these movies that we review a lot of slack in general, and 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 we have this kind of you know a running joke almost about about you you sort of parsing themes out of these films, but. I obviously am someone who is willing to give Verhoeven the benefit of the doubt. We were talking about Starship Troopers before and how I think it's ridiculous that people didn't appreciate and understand what that movie was doing when it came out. And obviously, I really enjoyed this movie. I gave it a view. It. I don't think there's anything deep there. And I do think the the sexual assault scenes are are off. You know, they are mm-hmm. just designed to be titillating primarily. Where I will give it some credit is the scene where uh, Sebastian literally rapes somebody and we don't see that, you know, I, I weirdly was expecting just because Verhoeven 
you know, has obviously gone there in, in multiple films. I expected to see that and we don't see it. What we do see is a lot of very gratuitous tit shots before that happens, you know? So in a weird way, it was more restrained, restrained, (laughs) more restrained oddly than I was expecting, but also like, there's just so much as I think Chris said before, basically softcore porn that happens before that. I don't know. It's weird. It's not, it's not good. It's not there. There, these are not great choices and there's not any great in my mind, theme or intention behind this movie yeah no i'm comfortable saying that's in poor taste and leaving it at that um if pushed to read meaning into it which i'm trying to do then we can go down all the stuff i discussed but i i I think it's a bad decision i think this movie like lays out its cards pretty pretty damn early on as far as just basically being juvenile escapist science fiction fantasy uh kevin bacon tells and I, I remember this is one of the, one of like three things I remembered from this movie before revisiting is Kevin Bacon tells a very crude joke as he's about to have the serum injected as he's walking to have the serum injected into him, um, which is basically, you know, Superman sees Wonder Woman sunning herself naked on top of the, the Justice League's, you know, building or, you know, headquarters or whatever. And like what is going on in this guy's mind? All he's thinking about is if I become invisible, I can just fuck someone and get away with it and won't even know what hit him. So he tells this joke about how Superman faster than the speeding bullet can just fly in, fuck Wonder Woman, and she won't even know what happened to her. And then the punchline is she asks what just happened and the invisible man says, oh, I don't know, but my ass hurts. Um, And I was like, okay, well, that's our movie. That's all this is really about. And it kind of is. It's just about like this sort of like unhinged, sexually deviant, kind of evil guy just fucking around once he gets this miraculous power. And that's not interesting to me as an adult. As a 12 year old, that joke would have made me laugh. And I would have been like, yeah, I'll I'll watch that movie. If you just show me that scene, I want to see what he does when he becomes invisible. What can he get away with? Um, Because. I was 12 and like didn't understand sex or the the uh the the complexities of it or the emotions that go with it or consent or any of that it's just pure it it's pure fantasy and that's really all this movie delivers us in the end yeah I, I much prefer the 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 Lee 1L take that is okay yeah there is there you know corrupt people given this extraordinary power can do very terrible things especially if they show themselves to be corrupt and terrible before they acquire the power but there's there's so many more interesting dimensions of humanity in that film and this movie is really just like yeah bad guy becomes invisible rapes people and then becomes murderous the end don't let don't let don't let people don't let like extremely ego-driven people get a hold of so much power but if that same movie were made in 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 1980 i feel like you would be in it would be in your horror catch up and you'd be saying watch it it's great (laughs) i'd be saying watch it as a gonzo fucked up can you believe you could make a movie like this at one point because it would have it would have gone hard you would have seen the rape for sure i'm thinking abel ferreira could have directed this and it would have been grisly would it have been better do you think it would have been better if you had seen no it wouldn't have been better it still would have been but it would have been easier to distance myself from the context in which it was made and to be able to laugh at it a little bit thinking wow we've made a lot of progress 
you know, I'm thinking of a movie like like Ms. 45 or something that like is has elements of female empowerment in it, but in a super fucked up way. And I like it. It, 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 it the films like that tend to and maybe this one will as well tend to take on a sheen of camp over time as society progresses. And we we learn, you know, slowly these lessons that we have to be taught over and over and over again. I feel like at 22 years out, Hollow Man is still a little bit too uh, cringy when it comes to that stuff for me to enjoy it uh, in the way that I would if it were like a bonkers 80s movie where exactly the same shit happens i'm i'm trying to process my thoughts on this because i i i think obviously comparing it to lee winnell's invisible man is a very very natural comparison and a sensible one and i love that movie i think it's a great movie i think it's a better movie than this one i feel like i would rather throw this one i would rather throw hollow man on than just watch invisible man because invisible man is fucking heavy yeah it's not entertaining and 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 I'm and I'm grappling with whether I only find this entertaining because I am the the gender and the sexual identity that I am, you know, I don't know. It's interesting. It's just it's just interesting to reckon with as far as making choices about watching an entertaining movie versus a movie that makes you think about some shit. Again, I think Invisible Man is brilliant, but it's not something you just want to watch yeah this is, and like, this is this is entertaining and crazy and gory and a goofy effects thrill ride you know it's fun in a certain way but is it fun for everyone certainly not yeah like i said the the lee winnell invisible man is is seemingly it's like incidentally concerned with the invisible man itself and what yeah. and, and what's like to be invisible and it kind of takes the invisible man almost turns it into a metaphor for for something else something more grounded yeah um this is very this like steven said this is a fantasy it's like if you were invisible what could you do you know that's well, that. that's it's, our... it's, 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 it's it's a juvenile fantasy film well, and not only that, but the Invisible Man is the focus of the film. He's ostensibly right. our protagonist, and that's right. where I would I much prefer the approach of the the oh, Lee Winnell film, and that the Invisible Man is on the periphery. I think it it made me feel more strongly about the consequences of his actions because I was so invested in the people affected by him or the primary person affected by him because we're seeing everything through her lens. Mm-hmm. Whereas mm-hmm. in in this, like we're f- kind of following Kevin Bacon around for most of this movie. And yeah, Elizabeth Shue gets some good moments, but that's... I mean, I guess he is the protagonist in that sense, but I mean, he is the antagonist in that he is antagonizing literally everyone else in the movie. I mean, yeah, I guess, I mean, I'm trying to think of a better word for it because protagonist isn't the right word, but like we're seeing much of the movie, I would say the bulk of it kind of through his lens. Yeah, you're in, you're invited to, to, yeah, you're invited to put yourself in his shoes, I think. And the same would yeah. go, I think, in the 1933 movie. And and, and both mm-hmm. of those, this is, I guess, maybe where the, the Lee Winnell film does such a good job because the 1933 film and Hollow Man both are like, look at this cool invisible guy. Look at this cool invisible guy. Look at the, oh no, he's gone too far now. <laughs> and it's like kind of hard to make that adjustment. Um, whereas the Invisible Man, like there's not a moment in that movie where you sympathize with the Invisible Man. He is a menace. He is a threat even before he goes invisible i think that's interesting though i mean what you just described making you go oh cool look at the invisible guy oh wait what the fuck is he doing now i don't know if i like that you know and making you confront 
his behavior and whether you yeah. continue to identify it and think it's quote unquote cool. They're they're diff- they're just not that he does anything movies. cool to begin with. He do- he never does anything cool. He's a fucking shithead to begin with, and he never does anything cool, even when he's not invisible. That's true, but I don't know. I it, other other than the fact that they involve Invisible Man, I I don't even know if we should compare this to the the recent Invisible Man because it oh. it's like it's like it's like comparing a a, a what's it? I like? mean, it, it invites it, the comparison. It's it like comparing like a Godzilla comparison. movie to a Jurassic Park movie because they both have a dinosaur-looking thing in them. No, uh, they're both they're both Invisible Man movies. But yeah. like, what what is interesting? It invites the comparison, as Patrick said. And what is interesting to me is like, obviously, these are wildly different approaches. But I like to think about, especially you know, we're starting to see news about more Universal horror movies being rebooted, and it's just interesting to think about. Like, okay, well, Hollow Man is not an an official universal invisible man movie, but it's basically that um, without the title. And it's just interesting to me to think about like, what are the possibilities for this basic story? And I think, I think that it is somewhat weirdly faithful to the original invisible man, at least as far as like the structure and like what, what the character, the invisible man is all about. Yeah, Cause that guy was a him. Yeah. He sucked. And I don't, I like that. I like the original movie, but I just generally don't like a movie where you're following a fuckhead for the entire film and you just see him, because it is generally a man, um, get just become more, or, or I'm sorry, less sympathetic as it goes along. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, that, that, it's rare for me that, that a movie with sort of an anti-hero uh, works because I need to root for them at least a little bit. Even if they're doing fucked up shit, I want to think, oh, but he can be reformed. Strong disagree. This is not an anti-hero. You're not supposed to like this guy. I guess what I'm saying is I wish he Elizabeth Shue is the hero. She's the protagonist. But I don't think it works. I don't think she's likable or present enough in the movie to carry it, frankly. I I mean, I disagree. That's, I mean, obviously that's subjective. This is all subjective, but I thought she was. I thought there was just something missing. I thought she was great. And I, I felt like the, I don't know. I felt like the script should have leaned a little harder on her in the first 45 minutes and a little less on asshole um, because it does feel like his show for a while. And I'm like, fuck, do I really have to follow this guy around and see the way he treats people, then see him become invisible and then be even worse? Like, I, I there wasn't enough to hang on the other character. The problem is none of these characters have anything to do when they're not responding to an invisible thing. Because it's true. That's yeah. the movie. That's the movie. The movie is sure. invisible effects and the thinnest dressings around them. Sure. And that's all it's supposed to be. And that's... Yeah interesting and it's fine i just god i just don't like it (laughs) and i don't know how you could do it in a way that i would like to be perfectly honest i think we've really discussed what needs to be discussed here i mean we i don't even know if we need to kind of tell you what happens in the rest of the movie but i mean he kills everybody and except for elizabeth shoe and and josh brolin escape um you know there's some oh he's dead oh he comes back to life I want to discuss like three key details briefly. And if you all have anything else to say about them, that's fine. If not, I just want to register that all three of these things. I was like, what? Uh, The first one is Sebastian smashes Josh Brolin in the stomach with, I want to say a crowbar or something. It's a deep. Yeah. He gets a deep Mm -hmm. stomach wound. And Elizabeth Shue he he oh locks he locks Brolin and Elizabeth Shue into a freezer and turns up the the temperature so it 
theoretically they'll freeze to death and <laughs> she's trying to help roland and the first thing she does is shove her fingers deep into that wound did either of you notice this? Yeah, put yes. pressure on the wound, bro. Yeah. No, she puts them. She puts her fingers in the wound, and he reacts. The wound. <laughs> he reacts. He's like, "Oh!" It's like, "Why are you doing that?" There's not a bullet in there. There's not like a projectile to remove. Like we because she has the line where she says, uh, "It's just, it's just hammy screen writing." Because she has the line where she says, "It didn't hit any organs, so you'll be okay." Yeah. Oh, is she like trying to, to check that. his organs? She wouldn't have been able to know the extent of the damage if she didn't oh. put her fingers in the hole. Okay. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. That makes sense yeah. to me now. Thank you. I'm glad well, I brought I this up. I want to get hung up on this for just yeah. just a minute because that whole sequence is fucking wild, and it's one of at least two examples where somebody could have easily just knocked Kevin Bacon the fuck out. I wanted her to <laughs> take that crowbar instead of going into the trap, rip it out, knock him over the head, then look at Brolin. Just it takes sure. two seconds, and yeah. they get locked in there. She somehow turns a defibrillator into a magnet to be able oh, yeah. to pull the, that was the, the latch back on the door. Say. I love that actually. I love yeah. the electromagnet. I love the yeah. improvised electromagnet. It's ingenious, but it's also like so fucking over the top that it's I was ridiculous. Like, oh, movie, we're going there. Like suddenly, it's like a Mission Impossible film or something. Oh, it's electromagnet absurd. is a simple. You can make those in the high school class. Those are easy. Those are easy. <laughs> Just like she did it. It was totally believable. Okay, so I'll swap that out, actually, because I was going to bring up the electromagnet, but now I'm reminded of another, like, simple moment where someone could have knocked this motherfucker out uh, when the, the veterinarian, which this is a smart call, she takes bags of blood and just opens them up and mm-hmm. dumps them all over the floor, mysteriously not splattering herself with blood at all. And but, also missing a couple of spots close to her where he could easily sneak by, but and where he true. does, so. yeah, and he does sneak around the blood in the end to like, and this upset me. This was maybe the most upsetting moment in the movie to me was when he shoots her point blank with the tranquilizer and then snaps her neck. I was just like, oh, because she was. I, I like. It's her. like the trank is the trank is enough. She was smart, right? right? Yeah, it was just excessive. She was being smart. She had been smart the whole movie. And it was just a gratuitous death for a smart character. Well, you're not allowed to be as smart as Sebastian Kane. If you no, ever not. outwit him, he gives you double vengeance. Yeah. He's going to trank you and break your neck. But I was I was rewatching the end of it earlier with Allison with a Y, and they were like, bitch, just go stand in the middle of the, the blood. Yeah. Why stand on the periphery of it? Yeah. Get in the middle, because you're going to see his footsteps coming towards you no matter what. Well, we well, see that in the Lee Winnell film. Oh, true. Yeah. Well, there's there's the there's also the part where Josh Brolin domes him with you know a crowbar or something and knocks him out cold, and then they're like, "All right, that's good enough. Let's go." He's probably not going to get back up and kill me. Yeah, I mean, the end of this movie is a little bit of a pile up of those kind of classic horror movies. Like, oh my god, just like just do blank, you know? Like it becomes a generic slasher for the last yeah. like twenty to thirty minutes. And it's I mean, very it, like by the numbers. And it's entertaining, it's and there's some fun, fun moments in it. But yeah, it's, but it suddenly it's, becomes it's like yeah, it suddenly becomes a you're like, oh, this is a ninety million dollar movie. All of a sudden, like there's big sets, there's explosions, there's mm. pipes and smoke, and 
the Invincible Man seemingly has become... The Invincible the, Man, he is! You're he right. He really... Yeah, he's the Invincible Man all of a sudden. Like, <laughs> because he... he Elizabeth Shue, like, blowtorches the fuck out of him. Like, yeah. empties the tank to get his... To do whatever on a cellular level because his flesh is dying. It becomes visible. And, like, she just keeps doing this over and over and over again. And he's still alive. And then it just goes for, like another 16 minutes after that like i remember looking at the time being like he's dead now right no yeah. 16 minutes how what how how is this happening what is it going to take to finally kill him and why does he have this power all of a sudden well and we wind up in an elevator Ugh. shaft a broken there there's a broken elevator josh and elizabeth are trying to crawl up out of this shaft the elevator is shooting up and down it's breaking they're pressing themselves up against the side of the shaft. I would love to know if any of this actually I just love how many times you keep saying shaft, and it's very in keeping with the prurient nature of this movie. <laughs> I just don't you need damn right. shafts. I just don't need elevator shafts in movies anymore. I can't relate to them. I can't relate to an elevator shaft. Get them out of the fucking movie. I don't like them. The elevator shaft was the best character in this movie. We teleport yeah. now. I don't want to see a fucking elevator. Come on. But okay, so they're climbing up this broken ladder that the elevator has completely destroyed as it's been crashing up and down this shaft. And we think that Sebastian is dead. He grabs Elizabeth Shoe's leg and gr- drags her back down on top of the elevator that is like crash landed several floors below. He's trying to choke her out. He's trying to kiss her. He's trying to do his normal shit. She leads him on in a kiss and then somehow Mm -hmm. knows to like stomp on this sort of cable connection behind her to disconnect the elevator from its remaining cable while she hangs onto it so that he falls while she holds on. And I was just, I was just like, is this how elevators actually work? Number one. Probably she minored not. in elevator repair. She, she, she majored in biochemistry, minored in elevator repair. Number two, how did she know how to do this? Also number three, I was satisfied because he falls into a giant <laughs> fucking fireball. Moments earlier, I had had one of those moments that are rare for me where I actually like spoke loud. I was like, this motherfucker, how is he fucking back again? Because I knew it was going to happen, but also it was just frustrating when he did show up again. It works then, on that level, yeah. And then yeah. he falls into a fucking fire pit, so it was satisfying. Yeah. And that's yeah. really all I have to say. It was it was frustrating and deeply satisfying all at the same well, time. Well, and then we get the Indiana Jones thing where she's fucking still... There God knows how many floors beneath you know, beneath this complex at this point, she's still after everything that's happened, just casually has the strength to hold on to this cord. (laughs) Roland is, is, it has his back up against the ladder and is just kind of hanging there and they hold each other. (laughs) And she's just like, Oh, I'm so glad that's finally over. And they look so relaxed. And I'm like, you guys have like 30 flights to climb on this ladder oh, and they like, make and a, you a final to, god all... reference there's a final god reference too about how he's not oh god, oh, anymore. god not yeah. anymore <laughs> right 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 and yeah, i was hey, thinking you know, uh, that's you know that guy he he typed that in the screenplay and wrote like fade out and then he, he just did fucking like, he jerked did the, off he signed the Tony script with Banderas gif where he's like just sitting back from the computer smirking <laughs> oh, i've never seen that i want to see that but that <laughs> yeah. is literally what the movie does the next scene is them like walking out of the hospital and it's a wide shot pulling back as ambulances mm-hmm. pull up credits, credits. roll we're done we're done, which, you know, I kind of love that scene. I kind of want to scene with like the general, like, you know, th- two weeks later being like, oh, we found the serum. We're going to put it into this guy. And it's, you know, 
Well, that's that's Hollow Man too. I mean, I'm sure that's where it picks up. I did think though. It's funny that you mentioned that about how they were, you know, hanging onto the ladder or whatever. And I think it was because I had had this weirdly anxiety-inducing night. There was weird shit going on in my apartment building that was producing physical anxiety reactions in me. And I was like, holy shit, these people just went through all this and they're just like casually hanging onto this ladder, like, you know, quipping and stuff. I was like, I would be shaking. I would be, I would be unable to breathe. How are these people doing this? Right, and so they look like the cover of a romance novel hanging yeah. there. It's, it's almost ridiculous. like it's a Hollywood movie or something. <laughs> it was, I mean, it was, <clears throat> yes, we've seen this kind of thing in Hollywood movies over and over again, but from Verhoeven <laughs> to see this, I was like, there's gotta be, there's gotta be something more, and then it just ends. Just credits. It's like, yeah, it's like those it, 80s, yeah. back to Cronenberg, his movies used to just, like in the 80s, like the fly, dead zone, they would begin in the middle of an important moment. As soon as the climax happened, it would end and you would just get credits. His yeah. movies were like a lean, like 88 minutes. Yeah. And it was always so jarring, but his movies left me things to think about at least. Yeah. Yeah. This, he was just like, all right, fuck it. I'm going back to the Netherlands. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he had his like second unit, finish the movie. <laughs> do, the, take, do the last shot. <laughs> Anyway. Wow. Well, this is well, one of those episodes man. where we've now, I think, discussed it almost as long as the movie itself, which I was not expecting. I watched this I twice. Wasn't either. And I was like, this is a simple movie. We're going to talk about like Kevin Bacon, effects, uh, sexual assault, and, and that's probably it, you know? But I, and, and basically, that was what we talked about, but it took us two hours. Really, one of my favorite movies, to, you know, my favorite type of movies to talk about, where it's you know simple premise, but there's a lot to chew on. Yeah, um, yeah, and I think there is, you know, eh, a little bit to chew on at least. Yeah. What the hell are we watching next time, Steven, It's your turn to pick, guys. Um, that was a lot of fun. We're gonna go from Invisible Men to Invisible uh, Otherworldly Malevolent Spirits. I'm trying for a segue here. Uh, we're gonna watch His House, an oh. end film from 2020. That is one of my favorite movies I've seen in you know the last four or five years. Oh. Uh, I'll read you the the synopsis, which is spoiler free, but just to kind of tee this up and get people excited for it a refugee couple makes a harrowing escape from war-torn south sudan but then they struggle to adjust to their new life in england and there's an evil presence lurking beneath the surface of their new home i really enjoyed this it's super creepy it's me there were a couple scenes in it that were like the most scared i've been watching a movie in the last couple of years definitely Ooh. turn out the lights Put your headphones on if you can. Crank up the sound. And I think this is going to be rife for some intriguing discussion. On our what next do you step. think the title His House means? Is it yeah? Oh, is we'll, it about the Lord? Is it about the male gaze? Oh, we'll, <laughs> we'll, we will get into it. All right. Oh, Can't boy. wait. All right. Well, until Taking us then... into more serious territory for the next episode is what I'm trying to say here. I want to watch that for a while, actually. Um, but again, these Netflix movies, they're like Netflix originals. You know they're not going anywhere, so there's never a hurry to watch them. Uh, so I'm glad I have a reason. I'm still trying to see the fucking babysitter. Stop watching fucking 60-day engagement or what the fuck were you watching? The 90-day fiance or some shit? Yeah, yeah. Man, don't. Yeah. What the fuck are you doing with your life? 
All right. Well, well, I'm going to tell you what to do with your life. In the meantime, go follow us on Suicide all your Kings, social you media. Fuck. Why don't you watch The Suicide Squad, you fuck? Why don't you guys watch Possession, god damn it? Loan me the blue. Loan me the blue. You son I of a will. Bitch. Patrick had it for a year, and he didn't even touch to get it. That blue. I'm he didn't even jerk off to, to the cover. I mean, come on. Wow. Well, why don't you, the listener, you fuck, go to our social media at Amoncast, E-H-M-O-N-Cast. Give us a follow. Give us a like. Give us a share. Give us a retweet. Give us a comment. Send us a DM. Slide into the DMs. We we love the DMs. Tell us if you were titillated or appalled by the actions of Sebastian Crane in the Hollow No, Man. if you were if you Tell were titillated, us. just delete all of your social media accounts and stay quiet for a few years. Tell us if you were titillated or appalled by our thoughts about Sebastian Crane. That's the more important question. Yeah. Let us know if we're canceled. If you're yeah. related to Kevin Bacon by fewer than six degrees, reach out. We'd love to hear from Let you. Let us know. You know, we're curious. Get on your podcast provider of choice. Leave us a review. Tell us if you're related to Kevin Bacon, but make sure you give us five stars. That's the important part. Give us a review. We don't give a fuck what it really says in the review. Just say, I'm Kevin Bacon's son, uh, Joseph Bacon, (laughs) and I love this podcast. Francis Bacon. (laughs) Francis Bacon. I I created the red dragon draped in the sun, whatever that painting is called. You know, that's that movie. It's about me. I love this podcast. I give it five stars. Follow us, review us, etc. Go to our website, broken website, everywhereonnetflix.com. Uh, Dude, I bet or, Sebastian Crane could fix our website. Like, is, is, literally, if we literally find a way... anyone probably could. At Dude, this point. that is me. When I'm working on this fucking website, I am the first five minutes of this movie where I'm just in a chair. Staring like at Da Vinci the never slept. God damn yeah. it! I'm gonna fix this shit tonight. <laughs> And you could be like Da Vinci when you have an every horror movie on Netflix t-shirt on. It's basically Da Vinci quality illustration, and you can find it at our merch store, which is also on the website at everyhorrormovieonnetflix.com. That's all I Amazing. have to say. That's all you I have to say. Job. That's all we all have to say. Thank you. Oh. All and right. thank you, the listener. Hey, this is my show. Let me finish. <laughs> oh, what? <laughs> all right. Well, I'll talk to you guys off cast about that remark. <laughs> set the record straight (laughs) god damn it all right thank you for tuning in thank you for listening to this incredible incredibly discursive discussion i'm patrick i'm chris i'm steven and we'll see you next time i feel hollow as fuck right now (laughs) 